Did you know Higher Ed's premier tech conference, Elucian Live, is almost here. Join industry leaders in New Orleans, March 26th through 29th. Discover insights and game-changing solutions to unlock possibility and drive student success. Register at elive.elucian.com. Epic. Three higher ed authors, 100-plus college and university presidents, dozens of actionable insights for academic leaders. Commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education, is now available on Amazon. Welcome back, everybody. It's your time to add up on the Ed Up Experience podcast, where we make education your business. Dr. Joe Salustio back with you on another episode. I want to remind everybody, if you did not know, myself, Elvin, uh, of course, my co-founder, he's, I always say about Elvin, he's not often seen, but always behind the scenes. He's the producer of this podcast. He does all of it from the privacy of his bathroom at night when his um, uh, his kids and his wife uh, are sleeping, literally in his New York City apartment. He goes into the bathroom for these podcast episodes. I think he's just sitting in the bathroom um, doing the editing of the podcast, not what you're all thinking. So um, he's editing. Uh, we appreciate him so much. Uh, Elvin and I, and of course, my co-author, Kate Colbert, of the book, Commencement, the Beginning of a New Era in Higher Education, which we appreciate if you've purchased it. Thank you for supporting us. All three of us will be at Elucian E Live in um, sunny, I don't know, sunny New Orleans um, this coming March 24, 5, 6, and 7. And uh, we look forward to seeing you there. If you're coming to the conference, uh, we will have the podcast station set up live. We will have sound effects in full force. And, uh, and of course, we'll have books there if you haven't picked one up yet. So look for us and look for those episodes that are going to come out uh, as we do another year at Lucian E Live. I can't wait for that. Uh, but before we get to March, uh, we're going to go north a little bit from New Orleans. We're going to go north and we're going to go east. We're going to go into the area of my origin uh, for this episode. And, and I say that because I was born and raised in a city. I am a rabid and... Um, uh, I think Rab would be the best word, basketball fanatic of this particular school because like religion, and for those uh, religious folks out there, this is just the way I was brought up in front of the television with my father who would play games over while we ate dinner, the basketball game would be on. It would be over the volume of myself and my sisters as kids arguing, and the volume would continue to go up and up and up until my father could hear the sound of the game. So you can imagine um, as an Italian family uh, and Greek family, how loud the volume was. Um, and so I brought, I haven't brought my co-host now third time co-host. So I got to send him the mug. I got to get your address. Uh, he has brought a guest with him who we're interviewing, but here, let me get him first. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen, the now Dr. David Lind. He's the director of international programs the College of Professional Studies at the CUSE, Syracuse University. What's up, David? It's great to be back. You know, the first time I was co-host, you talked about a uh, elusive DVD from the 2003 national title that's kind of locked away in a drawer somewhere waiting to be opened. Is there an expiration date on that? 
Uh, yeah, when DVDs expire. Um, and of course, the Davis remind. I uh, I am a Syracuse. I was born in Syracuse. I've I've been a basketball fan of Syracuse University. For of course, I work at Lindenwood University. I'm also a great fan of Lindenwood. But I grew up in Syracuse. Jim Beheim has been coach for as long as I've been alive. Um, and I think that goes for a lot of us. And uh, I, it's sad to see them this year. They're having a tough year, but I think the next year will be better. I have a 2003. I bought, you know, those Sports Illustrated packages they sell you when you win the national championship. I was so over the moon. I bought the Sports Illustrated package in my basement. I have a little basketball that says 2003 national champions. I have the hat that still has a sticker on it, 2003 national champions. And yes, I have the DVD that is unwrapped. It is not, it is still in its plastic. And I said, I am not going to watch it until the next time they go to the national championship game. And unfortunately, it is still in its original plastic. So that is what you're talking about, David. One of these days before DVDs go out completely, I would like Jim Beheim, please get the cues back to the national championship. Um, I'm hoping my guest today can make this happen. Um, he seems to have a lot of authority. He is also from the Cuse, ladies and gentlemen. He's Dr. Mike Frasiello, and he's the Dean Professor of Practice at the College of Professional Studies at the Cuse. What's up? What's up, Mike? Did uh, I say your last name right? I don't think I did. I think I got it wrong. That's that's fine. Yeah, it's uh, I, I go by just about anything. It's um, Frasiello, right? Frasiello. Perfect. Yeah, right, spoken like a real Italian. All right, so what are we going to do about this whole basketball situation, Mike? That's my first question for you. Yeah, I I, I have uh, some uh, amount of access and leverage, but not that kind. So I, <laughs> uh, it, it's not good this year. But, but but as it relates to the 2003, we have a uh, quite a few events on campus uh, coming up in March to celebrate that team. So that's if awesome. You feel like a drive north, um, you know, come on up and we'll see if we can get you a T-shirt. We'll see. Well, as all I get is coming to the Q's is this lousy t-shirt, you know, you got to do better than that. Mike, we'll talk about that later, sure. but t talk about um, the college of professional studies at the Q's. You're the Dean and a professor of practice level set for us. What is this? What, what do you guys do? It's college of professional studies and how do you do it? Sure. Well, so, and first Joe, thanks for the opportunity to, to come on and, and, and talk with you and, and, and the folks that listen to the to podcast. Um, so the, the college of professional studies, we, We've been around for a long time um, in various iterations uh, since really 1908. Syracuse University was one of the first universities to uh, stand up evening classes for adult learners. Um, and that started downtown in a little warehouse uh, somewhere. Uh, and that's where we sort of mark our, our, uh, our start. Uh, different iterations and, and evolutions along the way in 1947, um, in that same time period, uh, 45, 46, 47, Syracuse University was uh, a lead institution in the United States um, to uh, draft and implement uh, and execute on the uh, GI Bill. Uh, our then Chancellor uh, uh, Tolley um, was the principal author of the GI Bill. And, um, you know, there's a lot of stories around uh, how Syracuse University uh, fought and, and uh, positioned uh, to support transitioning veterans, many of whom didn't even have high school diplomas, uh, to provide access to higher education. And there's a quote somewhere not to, uh, you know, 
uh, throw any shade at our colleagues and, and fine friends over at Harvard. But at the time, the president of Harvard made a comment uh, at some uh, presidential summit in Washington when the GI Bill was being discussed. Uh, Chancellor Tolley uh, had, had provided the entire draft for the GI Bill uh, with all of these presidents from, from elite schools within the, universe, uh, the country. And president of Harvard at the time said something to the effect like, well, that's great, but they're not Harvard men. Yikes! <laughs> and Chancellor Tolley's re re reply to that was, well, they're Syracuse University men. And Syracuse University went from oh, about 8,000 yeah. students to 17,000 students in 14 months. Um, and that number swelled to about 24 or 27,000 um, uh, fueled by returning veterans. And so I mentioned that that part of our history because at that time, uh, University College then uh, was chartered under uh, Chancellor Tolley's direction as the uh, College for Adult and Continuing Education within Syracuse University. So not unlike university colleges that had, had and continue to exist, uh, within uh, within the U.S. model, um, not the European model, but the U.S. model, um, our mission was to provide access to education for primarily adult learners. Um, and so we were chartered in 46 and have, have remained uh, the gateway to Syracuse University for primarily adult learners, but part, now part-time studies um, for the last, you know, 25 or year, years or so. Um, Three years ago, we, we re renamed the college, College of Professional Studies, simply because of the concept of a university college <laughs> had been dated. Uh, uh, we were dating ourselves and folks would say, are you a college or a university? Are you part of Syracuse University? You know, so, um, and the trend across uh, higher ed um, was to establish or rename units like ours, schools of professional studies or colleges of professional studies. And so, um, but that's where we are today. We're a collection of, we're an academic unit. We have uh, currently 12 online undergraduate degrees and online master's degree. Uh, we have a extraordinary pre-college program that runs here every summer. Last summer, we moved 1,100 high school students through residential uh, on-campus experience, 33% uh, of whom uh, were fully funded from underserved populations. Uh, so about 300 and so students. Uh, we also are the home to an extraordinary uh, international studies uh, department that includes the uh, English Language Institute, one of the longest standing uh, English language um, uh, development and proficiency programs in the country led by um, Dr. David Lind uh, and a great team there. Um, and they do a lot of great work in addition to the ELI uh, program. Uh, we also have a, a non-credit uh, division for um, micro-credentials, accelerated micro-credentials and alternative credentials. It's our non-credit division. And then we provide uh, support services to all part-time and non-matriculated students at Syracuse University. So they're not pursuing degrees with us at the college, but they may be in arts and science, uh, but they're supported by us and our team here. So um, that's not a quick, I was say that's a quick overview. That's not a quick overview. Amazing. Um, just one, before I pass it to you, David, I, I'd like to note, Mike, you served 10 years in the United States Air Force. Thanks for your service. And you started out with a military story. 
So this must be an area that is near and dear to you personally and to your heart and, and serving, right? So when you think about adult learners, or at least I do, one of the student segments I go to is transitioning military. And that was the entire point of the GI Bill to get them back into the system, get them educated. And so much has been wrapped around trying to serve this particular, and then it went to you know adult learners of all kinds. But originally, that's what, what the intent was of, of continuing education was let's serve our men and women men and women of the armed forces and get them a way to reintegrate and prosper after the sacrifice they made can you talk about what that means to you personally in leading a division like this sure that's a really thank you joe for the for that the opportunity to talk about it and and i'll just say i hope i don't take the next 40 minutes talking about this because as david knows it's not just a personal uh sort of pay it forward um dimension of, of our work here and my role. It's really the mission of this college. Um, our current chancellor, uh, Ken Severud, when he came in uh, six years ago, six or seven years ago, uh, one of his top three priorities was to reestablish Syracuse University as the number one school for veteran and military connected students, public or private. And that's not by, you know, somebody's rankings or anything. That's by as judged by the United States military, that that's right. let's let the population we serve determine that we are the best place. And so for us at the college, well, I mean, we were elated to hear to, to see that sort of uh, charge, you know, placed on the mantle uh, because it is about we're about access Our this college uh, exists to create access to Syracuse University for students who otherwise cannot come here and study full time on the ground. Um, and so one of the first uh, things that we did under the sort of the, the cover of this, this charge was to go to our, our colleagues in the budget office and say, if we're going to be the number one school for veteran military connected students, we need to provide access to undergraduate education at the tuition assistance rate. Epic. And they, they said, well, what is that? And we said $250 a credit hour. And they said, well, that's like an 89% discount off of the phone. And we said, yes. Yeah. And the per the person in the room, because I've been in a room like this, <laughs> and a person goes, I've been in a room and I've had this exact same discussion. Somebody goes, well, do we want those students? And I go, are you out of your mind? Yes. You are literally, if you leave this room and you breathe that same sentence again, I will personally ostracize you in front of all of your colleagues. <laughs> Yeah, Joe. Yeah, it's uh, it same experience, you know. And but to to our credit, our collective uh, credit of the university, the commitment was was there, and and we've done it. We you know seventy five percent of the students in our online master's degree, seventy five percent are active duty guard or reserve, and forty four percent, oddly, that's that's our number. There's a whole history of. <laughs> 44 here, 44% of the students in our undergraduate degrees are active duty military guard or reserve. Um, and, you know, look, the business of higher education is the business of higher education. We, we have to be um, aware of the cost of delivery and, you know, but, you know, David, I see him shaking his head. We talk a lot here at the college about profitability and what that means and the future of higher education really redefining profitability. Um, and we could talk more about that, but this is a version of that. You know, we have a mission here. We know we can deliver this degree, uh, these degrees, this, these transformational opportunities to these members on active duty 
Carter Reserve status. Um, it, it's it's our social mission. It's what what we're, what we're sort of built to do. So um, the other thing, and this is not unique to Syracuse University, but you know our degrees aren't open enrollment. You have to apply and be admitted. The admissions criteria for our online undergraduate degrees are the same and in some of the programs even higher than the residential requirements for traditional students. Um, so these are these are hard programs to get into. Um, but um, you know with with uh, tuition or cost being the number one barrier to entry for an adult learner, you know that's top three access, flexibility and 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 cost, cost never changing from number one. Um, we it was an easy decision to make. We could pull that lever and and just say that's what we're going to do. This is our commitment to that population. So, I'm I'm really proud of the university for for stepping in and, and permitting us to do it, and the team here just moving really aggressively on on opening up. We we have five air wings, five Air National Guard air wings in New York State. Um, our goal, I guess I could say this on the podcast. Our goal you can is say whatever own, you want. <laughs> it's to own New York State. You know, my goal, I like your style, which I've given our team, is we're going to displace SUNY as the number one choice of, of undergraduate degrees for all Air National Guard members in this state. Because all things being equal, the cost is the cost. And if you've got the chops to be admitted, man, we'd love to have you, you know? So, uh, we're, love it. So I want to make so one, good. one quick clarification, not clarification, but just to, to double down on what you said. For anybody that's listening that doesn't know what Mike's talking about, there's an MTA rate, a, mil a military tuition assistance for active duty military members that the federal government says it's t they're giving them $250 per credit, I think it is, right? $250 yes, per credit to spend on their education while they're active duty. These are financially savvy folks that are going to find a program that allows them to use $250 and not $251. And so the question is, do you want to get in the game and serve the military or not? The, the, the circle is, how do you not offer that? When these are the people that allow you to offer education, right, by fighting for the country and giving us freedom and so on. And then how do you not give back in that way? By the way, it, when you talk business too, they have dependents, they're going to end up getting the, the GI Bill when they're done, and then they can go anywhere they want, and it's funded by the federal government. So do you want them to be part of your brand or not? So that just enrages me when I see people not offer the MTA rate, because I'm like, come on, it's the least we can do in this giant machine of higher ed. We're already pricing out so many students, and the price of education has gotten so high. How do we not serve the military? Anyway, that's me soapboxing yeah. for a minute. No, they, Joe, thank you for the, the, the clarification. The, um, you know, as it relates to the, to, to, to the tuition assistance, there's a cap too, as you know, um, yep. you know, there's an annual cap uh, and, and many uh, active, duty, many members of the military that use the tuition assistance, they'll, they'll max it out, you know, in the first semester or two, and then they go dark, right? And then we, they got to wait for it to kick in in ne the next fiscal year. So what we've done to increase or improve retention and persistence of these, these students, we will we honor the TA rate in those gaps. Um, now again, it's 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 on them, it's out of pocket. So it's private lender or you know, wherever they're they're, but we honor the rate. It doesn't go up simply because you know you've maxed out your uh, tuition. And we have seen persistence increase term over term. 
and have heard from a lot of members in that are active duty guard and reserve um, that they appreciate that you know the cost of attendance remains the same regardless of it's if it's funded from the DOD from their allotment or you know out of pocket. Um, we all, we're also attending uh, extending tuition discounts to uh, dependents, spouses and dependents. So if if you're a guard member at the 174th attack wing out here in Syracuse and your son or daughter wants to attend Syracuse University as a commuter part-time, they can come here and attend the university for $475 a credit hour. Ah, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, can I have your attention? It's time for us to solve the puzzle of success in higher education. Get your ticket to Elucian Live for industry insights, powerful connections, and innovative solutions. From March 26th through 29th, join peers from around the world in New Orleans to unlock the possibility and drive student and institutional success. Learn more and register at elive.elucian.com. You know that the world of higher education is experiencing evolutions and revolutions. You want to be part of the progress. Commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education with insights from more than 100 college and university presidents will show you how. Get your copy of Commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education now on Amazon right away. We think you're going to love it. It's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, well, I got to tell you, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, uh, Mike, no, but sorry. David has been, days, he has been, uh, he called me, he's like, I got to get Mike on here because I've been meaning to ask him questions <laughs> and I want to get him live on a microphone. So he has to answer honestly. Uh, and David. <laughs> now it's your turn. Thanks, Joe. You know, um, Mike's a big baseball fan as well as a basketball fan. In fact, I just made a connection. The colors of his team, which of course is the New York Mets, the best the best worst team in baseball uh, is Royal Blue and, wait for it, Orange. <laughs> I didn't realize that until now. But anyway, Mike's a big baseball fan. Uh, and uh, I'm going to use a sports metaphor here because I've already got two strikes with Joe for referencing external media sources. Um, on this. <laughs> so I know if I do it one more time, I'm in danger of striking out. Um, and never being invited back on the show, but now I'm going to never name another media source by name. No, go ahead. <laughs> so my first question for you, Mike, starts with a quote from an article you wrote recently that describes the landscape of higher education as a kind of big top circus full of exciting attractions. Open quote. Ah, I see you've noticed that little nondescript hovel there on the edge of the grounds. The one that looks conspicuously out of place amid the mystique and grandeur of the circus. Yes, this is what you've come to see, an enigmatic venue that holds the most fascinating individuals found anywhere in higher education. If you look long and intently enough, you may see one or two of them leap in a single bound over senseless procedures and questionable directives, never losing sight of the students they serve. We call it the Tower of Practicality and Illumination, but you know it by its quotidian name, Continuing education, close quote. Mike, <laughs> is the Hovel getting a makeover? And if so, how is it differentiating itself from the other attractions at the fun fair? That's great, David, thanks. And you are I think you're one of four people that actually read that article. So. <laughs> uh, five, five people. I read it, I was the fifth. Uh, thanks. Um, yeah, I, you know, it, it's a great question and, and it's, um, 
you know, of course, like, so, you know, talk, talk to uh, academic leaders in, in STEM, they'll, they'll have, you know, perspectives and thoughts on how STEM is, STEM disciplines and are evolving and things like that. I think, you know, for continuing education uh, units like, or units like ours, we'll call them CE units, but there's, there, it's such a mixed match of sort of online and adult ed and part-time, but let's call it CE. We've had, we really had our, uh, our emergence or re-emergence in COVID, right? So lots of schools and colleges were like tripping, universities were tripping over themselves trying to respond to this thing. And us and our colleagues, David, in, in, in other units like ours, we, we were sitting in the corner laughing. Like, if you just ask, we'll tell you how to do this because we do this every day. I mean, this is what we do every day. And so, you know, those universities in, uh, that were sort of progressive enough and willing enough to, to lean into their CE units, um, I think actually learned a lesson. You know, we're, we're typically the unit, it, it's like the woe is us thing, but we're typically the underfunded unit. We're typically the unit on the fringe. We're not part of the central mission of, of universities. The central mission of universities are research undergrad and grad educate, that's it. That's the central mission. And, you know, a lot of what CE units do is typically ancillary to that mission around the fringe. It's a value add. It's, you know, it's an alternative pathway. It's we're tertiary at best in discussions about budget and curriculum and those sort of things. So um, I think we really had our, our, our re-emergence during COVID. And, and what I see now but what I think I see now and, and our colleagues and other, you know, the professional associations that we participate in, uh, what we're seeing is sort of a, a centering of, of the CE unit mission within the university. We talk a lot about, Joe, some of your guests have previously talked about the, the demographic cliff and, you know, a lot of, a lot of universities have their head in the sand on this. Um, and a lot of universities are saying, all right, we need to hedge our bets. And that's on, alternative delivery modalities that's on on non-traditional populations that's on meeting students where they are as opposed to having them come to us it's it's alternative credentials it's and all of that stuff is what we're really really good at in in continuing ed uh within 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 most universities within the u.s so um you know i i see i see ce units taking a greater role um in 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 senior uh, not senior but 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 sort of uh, big decisions within universities about future proofing or or preparing for you know contingency um, being being participating more actively in talk you know discussions around long range planning um, yeah it's 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 just it's been a long time coming. I mean, I didn't know this for a long time. It's like we we talk about this as Sisyphus syndrome. You roll the ball up the hill and watch it come down. Uh, and we literally have a hill here, by the way, Joe. You know that, right? There's yes. a hill. It is a hill. <laughs> so, um, but I yeah, I think I hope that answers the question, David. I think it's um, it does, and I'm going to ask a follow up. Um, you mentioned alternative credentials, and I could be defenestrated from academia even for asking this question. But here we go, Joe, another wild swing. Um, Mike, is the bachelor's degree still the coin of the realm? And if not, what new credential types might be emerging to replace it? Ah! Yeah. Lynn. <laughs> He's going to get you later. 
So, uh, yeah, um, it is. I mean, look, let's let's just say it this way. Um, what we know is that uh, the undergraduate degree remains the the best currency for social uh, uh, mobility and economic mobility in the world. The, the bachelor's degree does. It does. Um, so so it so its currency is still uh, uh, it, it's still high, highly rated. Um, but where that gets challenged or or not not challenged, but I think what we have to accept is that there are other currencies now, increasingly other currencies. And it's I don't, I've never seen it as sort of a binary, like, well, it's an alternative credential or it's a degree. What we know, you know, we Joe, you know, and we talk about the 60 year curriculum, we talk about, you know, lifelong learning, um, you know, individuals are building portfolios of credentials, and the bachelor's degree is just another form of credential. Um, you know, maybe that changes. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. I, you know, I can't, I'm not, you know, Clayton Christensen was, <laughs> you know, 20 years ago, running around saying that we all would be out of jobs by now. And and some of that has come come to fruition. Some of what he had predicted and modeled, we've, we're seeing, particularly with some small liberal arts schools, um, uh, post pandemic and challenges with enrollment and and sort of a a, a, a rigid sort of approach to to um, uh, curriculum and, and degree programs. Um, but I, I you know look, I think that the bachelor's degree will remain a uh, uh, a valuable credential. Um, and and what what I what I would expect or what we I think we would we're going to see is is more uh, intercurricular or cross curricular uh, degrees and programs. I mean, you can't open up Chronicle. I just mentioned another. <laughs> oh, I, I don't I didn't have a button ready for that one, but yeah, we're gonna, no, it's all good. You can yeah. you can mention Chronicle. They're good. Friends okay. Yeah, you know, you can, and you can't, you know, read about uh, universities that are closing programs and and you know laying off uh, faculty and you know the sunsetting programs that are that aren't market sensitive. I think maybe that's where the evolution is, right? We we hear it, you know, David, you know, we have a bachelor's of professional studies degree here at the College of Professional Studies. Um, it it is intercurricular that that by very by its very nature, it's a very flexible uh, vehicle for pulling in different um, uh, uh, courses from across the university's curriculum into a sort of a thematic area like cybersecurity, like healthcare administration, like business management. Um, Maybe it's the receptacle. Maybe the, the answer is that the bachelor's degree as a receptacle, a, a container for all of this learning still makes some sense. But the way, this is my answer, not that anybody's asking me a single thing, but I think what you're saying is it's up to us to define the learning that's within that receptacle because the student is saying that it's not as worthwhile as it used to be. And, and I bring this, you know, you made me think, I interviewed the founder of the Google cert, Lisa Gevelberg at Google, and she said their fastest growing student segment is the four-year degree holder coming back to get a Google cert. And I thought that was a gut punch because I'm going... Well, why would you need to do that if we fashioned the bachelor's degree to give you those skills? Then you wouldn't, 
need to do that, you'd be taking like a Google cert too after you're done or something. And so I feel like as a receptacle, it makes sense. And by the way, England and other countries are doing a three-year bachelor's degree. There's forced innovation upon our receptacle and the public saying that it's, you know, that it's not having the value and I can go over here and I can get these stackable credentials. The problem, and I'm getting to my question, um, maybe it's an add-on, is it is very confusing. The non-credit space is very confusing to students. You know, um, I give this example and people have heard me said it on the podcast. It's like my cousin's brother's boyfriend's sister, Ricky, does a real estate class and they offer not it's non-credit and I can get a credential. What does that even mean? How do you navigate through this micro-credential non-credit space in a way that is going to make sense and give you value later? The great thing about the bachelor's degree is it gave us structure in our minds. We know a bachelor's degree and everybody else knows a bachelor's degree. Y'all understand it. It's very hard to understand the non-credit and micro-credential space. How do you tell a student even how do you communicate it you know i think yeah. there's a lot there but you get the point no it's it's yeah it's a great question and a, and, a, and a really great anecdote too uh joe um so i i'll just uh, you know shout out to our colleagues at the university um uh, at upca university professional continuing education association it's our our professional association in our space um within higher education they, the last year, have done a tremendous job of doing exactly what you just uh, uh, suggested, which is creating sort of a taxonomy or a data dictionary to make sense of, of this space. Um, and it's it's so uh, challenging. It's like, is it non-credit? Well, what, and then you assume that, uh, you know, a general uh, a person understands the difference between credit and non-credit. It's like echo chamber stuff. Well, it's matriculated or non-matriculated. It's this, it's that. Like it, none of that means anything to somebody who's actually looking for training that will help me get a job or get a promotion. Like that's all I care about. I don't care what you call it. Um, but UPCA has done a great, made a make great strides in this space, Joe, to, to help sort of standardize uh, how we talk about this. I think that's ultimately the goal we're we're tracking toward. But it, it's a it's a really good um, example of you know you shared from from Google the Google cert. Um, can you remember a couple of years ago when, and maybe this was just like just pre-recession, but I remember reading an article where like significant numbers of adults were going back to school for associate degrees. They had master's degrees or bachelor's degrees. They're going back for associate degrees because they couldn't find technical training in Python or in whatever it was. Going like full associate degrees. And that, you know, if that doesn't drive innovation in the cert space, it's like, well, don't, you don't have to go get a 60 credit hour degree for that. We can stand up a very specific and focused credential um, and where skills isn't a four letter word, right? It's not about, you know, theory and uh, research. It's about um, practical application and, you know, applied, applied skills. So I didn't That's answer awesome. that at all, but I did. I thought you did. <laughs> David didn't though, but you know. go ahead, David. Well, should I throw in another question then? Oh yeah, you you just keep nailing them. Go. Yeah. Uh, there's one for Mike and there's one for you, Joe. Um, so Mike, you talked about people uh, who work in continuing education leaping over senseless procedures. <laughs> if you could leap into the future, and I asked the same question to. Uh, 
Frank Dooley a couple of weeks ago, and it, it made him think, if you could leap into the future and borrow a piece of technology that would help you solve some kind of communication problem in the present, what would that technology be and how would it help you solve the communication problem? You know, I listened to that entire podcast and you think I would have said, oh, what would I do? <laughs> Uh, I, you know, I, yeah. Um, you started with the easy questions, Mike, and we're building up to the difficult ones. Yeah. Mind control, mind control. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, you know, it has to, it has to be a piece of technology that currently exists. Oh no, a piece of technology that doesn't yet exist. It's funny. I, I once asked the college president the question. He told me, mm -hmm. I have enough problems getting my hands on technology that actually exists in the present. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, okay. So if we were to imagine, you know, one piece of technology, I mean, I, I would, and this is just from an instructional perspective, think of all of the types of courses you could teach. If there was, a, a, if there was a sort of a, an, an, a technology that would permit immersive uh, tactile um engagement with content from anywhere in the world you know, with a vr headset and a glove um and and pieces and parts of this tech already exist that's what i'm getting at like you know uh, uh bmw has this really amazing uh uh technology that they use to train their technicians and it's all virtual they put a headset on and they got a glove and they can manipulate you know bolts and wrenches and and all this kind of stuff but imagine that. Imagine teaching language, David, yeah. English language, to homebound individuals anywhere in the world, in an immersive space that that doesn't just like the, you know the Zoom meeting where we're saying you know well we're closing closing the gap between space, but an immersive technology where there's no there's absolutely no difference. The, the take the physical dimension out of it completely. Yeah, that no difference. Would we could what do people always say when, when, when they talk about the limitations of online education, especially singles, is the screen fatigue phenomenon. Yeah. But over that barrier, sure. that opens up a whole new world of possibilities. Yeah. And if I carry that forward just uh, just one step further, you know, one of the one of the challenges for those of us who are, you know, advocates and proponents for the the, the benefits of online uh, education one very traditional and sort of dated pushback from our colleagues on the faculty often is, well, it's never as engaging as if, as if it's face-to-face, -face. you know, Wrong. I can't do the things online that I can do face-to-face. -face. Well, wouldn't it be great if we had a technology that, that, that completely blew that, um, uh, that argument away? Um, that would be really, really amazing. I think that would just, it would, it would stand education on its head, we'd have a whole lot of empty dorms, I tell you that. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, that'd be pretty Or you'd cool. have a whole lot of full dorms of students taking online courses. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Keep going, David. You said you got more. Keep going. We, we got a little bit of time left. Yeah, the other, the other question was for you, Joe. If, uh, if Mike fires me tomorrow, will I still be invited to co-host on <laughs> I'm going to have to listen back to the episode and decide at that point, David. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. That's the best answer I can give you. I, um, 
-hmm. I'm going to try to try to be serious. We, we are serious. Um, but one thing I love about being on Joe's podcast is he has a way of um, being spontaneous and uh, which actually is a kind of a, a way of getting at very serious issues uh, in a kind of indirect, subtle way. And I think I think that's one of the secrets why you've managed to get so many people on your podcast, Joe. I'm going to go ahead and say, yes, you have a job here at podcast <laughs> just because of that compliment, David. Thank you. I was wondering, I mean, you did it, you mentioned Mike's um, uh, status as, as a veteran. and But um, I was wondering, Mike, if you could tell us a little bit more about uh, your story, because, um, and I'll weave in a little bit of, of my story. Uh, I, I'm only working at Syracuse University because Mike took a chance on me. So is there is there some truth to the claim that um, CE units are units that take a chance on people? And can you possibly weave in some of your own personal story there? Sure. I could do that. Is that a better question, Mike? So like, David may be looking for a new job, Joe. Uh, no, I, I like <laughs> talking about myself as much as I like getting teeth pulled. Um, the, uh, yeah, David, you, David and I, uh, have spent a lot of time talking about our own paths. And so, I, you know, no one, their eighth grade year of middle school goes to their guidance counselor and says, oh, I want to be a university administrator when I grow up. So, you know, I'm supposed to be coaching high school basketball right now, <laughs> either that or stand on the back of a garbage truck. Holy crap. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, to, to, the, to, to the sort of the, the spirit of your question, David, I'm the product of continuing uh, education. I went to college at a high school. I was a reasonably good student. I was told in high school that college wasn't for people like me. I, I didn't, at the time, I didn't know what, what, what that meant. I suspect I know what it meant um, uh, and uh, didn't do really well. That it was an eventful but unproductive year. And that led me to, you know, make a decision to do something. And so I enlisted in the Air Force. Um, and then over the course of those 10 years, um, worked with some really great non-commissioned officers and, and, and officers uh, who believed enough in me to permit me to go to school and encouraged me to go to school. Um, hey, man, you really need to just start knocking some classes out and do this because you're going to regret it in 20 years. Um, and so finished three degrees in 10 years, an associate's, bachelor's, and master's degree, working full-time, raising two kids, well, one kid, and then our, our youngest was born the year I got out. Um, and then, uh, you know, worked a couple years in, in, in the tech industry, and then came here to Syracuse and found an opportunity here at the college and immediately realized this is where I belonged because the mission of this place is making education accessible and transforming people's lives with that education. And you talk about the best job in the world to pay forward the benefits that you were afforded and the opportunities you were given to do that. So, um, yeah, I, you know, you know this, David, I, you know, I'm passionate about this work, man. I will, and I'll, I'll take a, I'll take a bet on just about anyone uh, if they have the desire and the will um, they may not have the means, but we'll find the means. We can do that. That's what we work. We're tireless at that. I mean, we'll, we'll find a way to get you in and over the line, but you, you know, you got to do your share. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, it's just, you know, 
it's my life work man you know so there's a lot of passion in there 100 percent yeah. I, I gotta tell you and as we close out this episode one thing i wanted to say because i have a lot of respect for people who work in the continuing education space and serving adult learners because i feel like and this might be my own bias but there's a um willingness to tackle some of the bureaucracies that higher education has built up around itself because when you're dealing with an adult student if you're dealing with a military member and you want to serve them you can't always go through the timelines and processes that exist because that person has no patience for it. And it's one of the biggest downsides to higher ed is that we just move, we built process on top of process and on top of process instead of asking ourselves why we have the process in the first place. And your adult student, they're, they're just gonna either go elsewhere or they're just gonna look you in the eyes and say, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do that. So what can you do for me to serve me rather than the other way around? And so people like David and Mike are breaking down those barriers for, for a student type that we all need to serve um, because they are the majority of higher education now. You're an adult learner. It's yeah. truth. Yeah. Fastest growing segment in higher education right now. Yeah. yeah. Well, we, we always like to close out these episodes with the final two questions, uh, uh, Mike. Number one, what do we not say about the cues that needs to be said about this College of Professional Studies? Anything that you want to say, anything coming up, anywhere you're speaking, anything coming out new, you could take a two minutes and plug away and talk about how great David is if you want to. That's up to you. Or, uh, or whatever you want to say. And then two, what do you see as the future of higher education? Uh, so real quick, you, I, I won't, I, you don't want to hear me speak publicly. So <laughs> I suffer from severe cases of, uh, uh, social anxiety and, uh, imposter syndrome. So you don't want to see me speak publicly. Um, if I could say one thing about the college of professional studies, it, it, it is the, it is absolutely one of the best, uh, colleges, uh, of its kind. And, and this is a lot of bragging, of course, and I have colleagues in the space who might say, eh, but that's the um, point of teeing you up. You get to say whatever you want. Thanks, man. I, you know, to the, you, you mentioned tackling bureaucracy, Joe, we go around it. We don't even waste our time tackling it. We just go Amazing. around it. And this team that we have here, and David's one of them, the senior leadership team here, uh, we just move, we just move quickly and we fail fast, we pivot. And I, I got to tell you, it's it's just it's just such an amazing opportunity to see people not lose focus on the mission. You know, David and his team focused laser sharp on these international students that are looking to, for opportunity and, and access to a U.S. education, pre-college, uh, the students we serve in our online program. It's just we're just so mission focused. So I thank you for the opportunity to say that. I mean, it's just it's just a, an extraordinary college and extraordinary team. Um, you know, what do you see as the future of higher ed? Yeah. Future of higher ed. Um, I don't know, strap in, you know, let's see what, let's see what happens. You know, I, you know, I, 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 I suspect that we're going to see some, some pretty dramatic changes, both, uh, regulatory, you know, if we think about things that are affecting our space that you're, we're seeing coming out of DOE as they relate to OPM and third-party service providers. Uh, Supreme Court's looking at affirmative action, uh, you know, debt relief, demographic cliff, 
closures and mergers and i mean it's it's there's there's been more change i think in the last five or eight years in higher ed than than i'd seen in my previous 15 or so and so yeah man i i don't know i you know i read in going anywhere it's we're not going anywhere but i think we really just have to like embrace the the or acknowledge that it's not going to look the way it looks now in five years or, or eight years so let's let's go ahead and and get really creative and make sure that we don't again lose focus of the mission um it's 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 essential to i think a democratic society um education um it is it, it, so it's not going anywhere uh but it's going to look different uh but i i can't tell you what it's going to be I, I think i think i agree it's going to look different and you've got two individuals here with me talking to me that are going to help make it be different of course my guest third time guest co-host and he'll be back i just have a feeling we'll have him back He's Dr. David Lind. He's the Director of International Programs, the College of Professional Studies at Syracuse University. David, third time's a charm. I think you hit it out of the park. One thing Mike forgot to mention is that although he does not have the power to alter the result of the NCAA basketball championship, somehow he did manage to pull off a national title for Syracuse in the soccer D1 championship. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, yeah. How do you like that? Yeah. Does that qualify for opening your DVD? Unfortunately, it does not. However, I am very uh, happy about that as well as a, uh, a soccer player in the Syracuse area for many, many, many years, many years, in fact. Got to play uh, at camps and so on in the, on the campus. So, you know, gosh, I got a lot of love for the Cuse. I'm not going to lie. It feels weird saying that as a, a leader at another university, but we all have our allegiances. I mean, you know, I'm a Syracuse fan. What are you going to do? And when you live in the Cuse, there are no other teams because Syracuse is New York's team, right? There are no other teams. And that's yeah. the way I grew up. How do you like that? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, my guest, you've heard him. He said a lot. There's still a lot to be said. Who knows? He may be back. Maybe you'll see him on a stage. Maybe not. He's Dr. Mike Frasel Frasiello. I'm going to get a Frasiello. He's a dean, professor of practice, college professional studies at the Cuse. Mike, did you have a good edup experience today? Did you have a good time? This is fantastic, Joe. Thank you, David. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, this is great. And keep up the good work, Joe. It's fa it's fantastic. It is it is a fantastic fantastic uh forum so thank you thank you sir and the entire time we've been recording in mike's office otto the orange has been looking over our shoulders making sure that we hit this one out of the park and with that ladies and gentlemen you've just ed upped ladies and gentlemen it's time for some um, um, amazing news it's time to work together to solve the puzzle of success in higher education Belusian Live returns to New Orleans for March 26th through 29th to help you unlock possibility for your institution. And yes, the EdUp experience will be there recording live. Industry leaders from all across the world are converging to discover new insights, game-changing solutions, and powerful connections, all with the goal of addressing higher ed's greatest opportunities and biggest challenges. You do not want to miss Elusian Live. Learn more and secure your seat today at elusian.com. It will be amazing it's time to level up the beginning of a new era in higher education begins with you order your copy of commencement the beginning of a new era in higher education by kate colbert dr joseph lucio with contributions by elvin freitas 
It's Higher Education's must-read book of 2022. Discover how you can seize the moment to change higher education forever. Commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education, now available on Amazon. For bulk orders, contact Kate, Joe, or Elvin. 